just because the NFL season is now firmly in the rearview mirror does not mean the betting season is over. Oh, no, 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 no. There is still plenty of opportunities to put a little something-something on the games. The NBA, college basketball, NHL, yes, golf. No matter what tickles your fancy, there is still plenty of action to whet your appetite. But just remember, where you bet is every bit as important, if not more so, than what you're betting on. That's why I tell my friends to go to mybookie.com. Oh, but my state just approved it. There's a big DraftKings fan duel, whatever. No, 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 no. Johnny come lately's. My bookie has been ahead of the game for years now. And why does that matter? Oh, I don't know. In a million ways. Better lines, better payouts, less rules, you name it. Plus, you get a bonus with me at mybookie.ag. Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, and have your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Now, make sure you read the rules on payouts regarding bonus wagering. It does require certain levels of wagering to collect your money. But if you just want to bet straight up, you don't want the deposit, you want to make a one-time bet for a million dollars, win it, and then walk away, Fine, you can do that as well. That's a free cash bonus for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. Bet, win, and most importantly, get paid with my bookie today. You've heard me talk about Tacovas, the company carrying on all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. Well, longtime listener Jeremy emailed me to say, Zabe, I was on a work trip to Austin, knew about Tacovas from the podcast, stopped into the store. Next thing you know, I've got a damn good pair of boots and I'm looking sharp with a nice buzz to boot. Giddy up. Tacovas believes in Western for all. And you can feel that when you stop in one of their stores and get custom fitted for a new pair of boots. If you can't make it into the store, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality and the most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T E C O V A S.com and point your toes west. And as a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovas has said they will throw in one of their best selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 at Tacovas.com. Just use promo code ZABE, that's promo code Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, at checkout. It's a $30 value, and they sell out fast. Only at Tacovas.com. The legends are true. Overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is the ZabeCast. From the mean streets of McLean, Virginia, to the Harvard of the West, UC Santa Barbara. You got 30 minutes for some honest conversation about sports, life, and more? Well, good. Buckle up and let's go! Here we go! Wednesday, February 14, 2024. Thank you for downloading. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody out there. However you choose to celebrate, if you're just a young couple still in love or perhaps courting somebody else and you're going all out 
with the flowers and the dinner and yada yada. Good for you. Enjoy it. Try not to make it a a flashpoint for an argument about what was or was not done. And if you're just an old couple used to each other like a nice well-worn pair of jeans and you're going to have a cupcake and a quiet dinner and that's it, then that's fine as well. However you choose to celebrate. Speaking of celebrations, I want to start with this. Brooks Like, L-A-I-C-H, who at one point was dating and or married to Julianne Huff, may still be. Hold on. Let me hold the phone. Brooks Like, Julianne Huff, H-O-U-G-H. There you go. <clears throat> um, started dating. Fine, up, oh, uh, they got divorced in 2022. That's eh, too bad. Uh, Julianne Huff, lovely. I mean, very lovely woman. Dancing with the stars, big fan. Brooks Like was a former Washington Capitol, and he had a post about how the NFL does its immediate aftermath of winning the championship versus hockey. And I wanted to read it to you, and then. Get your thoughts as to whether you agree. He writes, I can't stand the protocol that happens immediately after the Super Bowl is over. One, they isolate players and coaches for interviews instead of letting them all celebrate their championship together. Two, they build a small stage and only a few, and only allow a few teammates and a few coaches on it, again isolating the rest of the team and staff. Three, they award the trophy to the owner and not the players. He's got a angry face emoji, expletive emoji. Dear at NFL, oh boy, he added them. Dear at NFL, tune in to see how the at NHL operates in the 15 minutes following the completion of the Stanley Cup winning game. Players, coaches, and staff all celebrate together with the Stanley Cup being awarded to the players first after they are all the ones who won it. And then there's the time-honored tradition in the NHL of formally lining up and shaking hands with the entire opposition, win or lose, to pay respect to each other. It oozes class and sportsmanship and sets a good example for youth. Thoughts? I love it. I don't agree with all of it. I don't think other sports should try to replicate exactly the handshake line. The handshake line in hockey is a hockey tradition. Players do individually show their respect to other players informally in groups, individually out there on the field. I do agree that I don't like how they separate and sequester right away the coaches and the players. I would love for the NFL to go back to presenting the trophy in the bowels of the champagne-soaked locker room where the whole team is. But the NFL, being a marketing-minded you know, entity decided, hey, we could have a big podium out there in the stadium and better camera angles, better lighting. We're not getting wet with champagne and all sticky and our eyes are burning. And we can broadcast it and put it to the stadium. It really is for the fans because obviously the fans who pay their money to go to the game, they can't sit there and see what's going on. So I kind of agree, uh, but at the same time, you know, in the same way, I think there's ways to improve the NFL's post-championship procedures, but I wouldn't want them to just copy off of hockey's test. If you get what I'm saying, they have to, everyone has to do it their own way. I do think the Stanley Cup is magic and it's unique. You know, there is not a single player 
in hockey history that I know of that has skated off harumphingly to the locker room before shaking hands with the opposing opposing players on the team that just beat you in a physical, cheap-shotting, slashing, dirty, down-and-no-good, heartbreaking seven-game Stanley Cup final. You still wait and you shake hands. That is a beautiful, awesome thing. And you have to sit there as the losing team and watch the cup get awarded to somebody else, which almost borderlines is is almost borderline cruel, if you think about it. But it's pure, it's simple, it's NHL, and that's just something to think about. Emails, always love your electronic mail at zabe at yahoo.com. Lots came in after the Super Bowl, so let's get digging right through it. Daniel Harmon, Zabe, thank you for the in-depth report on the game posted hours afterwards on a Monday morning. You never cease to amaze me with your ability to analyze, recall, and digest information, especially after a game. Don't know how you do it on your schedule, but I'm grateful that you do. Sincerely, Dan Harmon. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate that. Um, well, How I do it is I wrote a lot of notes. I had to write a lot of notes. I had to look a lot of things up just to go, okay, who was that again? All right. Because uh, you know, I forget, too. I'm like, when did that fumble happen? course, these notes are, throw these away. We're not going to talk about it anymore. It's the nature of what I do, and I have struggled with it at times, that I do all that, quote, work, write all that stuff down. I think I should probably save that, archive it. It's a piece of paper. I have old notebooks from radio shows way, way, way in the past. And it is kind of funny to go back and look and see what it was we were talking about you know, topic for hour two, so-and-so, you know, is Dom Capers in over his head as Panthers coach when I was in Charlotte? And poll questions and controversies. But why keep it all? Who, who's got time to go backwards on all that stuff? What am I going to do with all that stuff? I'm not nearly famous enough that it would be worth anything where I could sign it and auction it off. Hey, you want one of my old show notes? It's just coal you're shoveling into the engine and keep it moving. Now, that is not necessarily, uh, so that opinion about, you know, the podcast is not uh, not shared by everybody. Let me give you another example. Uh, this one from Steve Eisenberger. Zabe it's, Zabe, it's bad enough that football's over, but it's Monday in February, supposed to snow tomorrow, and I stumble out of bed to excitedly listen to the pod and your take on the Super Bowl, but we are instead subjected to 45 minutes of you bitching and moaning. Jeez, lighten up. <clears throat> I said, was it 45 minutes of bitching? I'm pretty sure I had some good things and praise in there. Don't make me break it down minute by minute. He then replied, uh, yeah, actually 39 minutes, 27 seconds of bitching. Sorry, I did exaggerate. The other five minutes and 33 seconds was just praising Patrick Mahomes. Don't mean to be a ball buster, bud. That's okay. Then there is this one, John Aperi, A-P-E-R-I. He did sign his real name to it. The email appears to be a legit email account. Although it's his first initial last name with a random five-digit number afterwards, so who knows. He writes to say, your solo shows have just become comically atrocious and 
unlistenable to the point of no return. You offer no insight about anything. I don't. Your whole business plan is to pick out headlines and criticize which is the absolute lowest form of radio and podcasting. It's plain lazy. It's almost like you spend no time at all in prepping. Not true. Guessing your listeners are not the smartest bunch, which is probably why they listen to you, but compared to other sports podcasts, yours is just the absolute worst. Uh, you are the the worst person ever. <laughs> Where's my stewy bite on that? If I had prepared better, I would have it handy, but I don't, and so I, I, I can't find it right now. Uh, either way, I always try to take these critical emails, and the first thing I try to do, and it's been hard to train myself, is to ask the question, well, is he right? <laughs> Maybe he is right. And, and maybe uh, the, the other email was correct as well, and I'm bitching too much. I need to keep it positive and say, I love this. I love that. This is great. Did you see that? Wow. I was so happy about that. Uh, you know, first question I ask, was he right? I think I do bring insight. I try to bring insight. I'm constantly saying, what is my why here? Why am I talking about this? What's my point? What's my angle? What got me to thinking, hey, I'd like to talk about this. My sense is that email is from somebody who disagrees with my general political and or philosophical perspective on proper governance and how I'd love to see the country run versus his opinions of uh, his particular politics. And so therefore didn't like me cherry picking some things that pissed me off. And I would then read the headlines and just go, pfft. That's a great story right there. That's my guess. That's usually at the core of it. I don't know how much of a listener he is. He didn't really include anything that would make me go, oh, yeah, he has been listening a long time. Or, oh, I get it. He likes this guest or that guest. Marty Conway coming up here on the podcast in just a few minutes. He was excellent today. I think you'll enjoy him. He brings insight, whether I do or not. He does. But it's possible that I'm the worst. Oh, you are just the worst type of person. There it is. Your podcast is just the absolute worst. (laughs) Oh, you are just the worst type of person. Okay, that's enough. We're moving on. Jim Bowen, socks of the 49ers, says the email. Steve, did you notice that some players in the Niners were wearing red socks, others were wearing white? Any idea how the NFL with strict uniform policies accepts that? I'll hang up and listen off the air. I'd have to take a look at that. It's possible they got fined. The NFL does like to really hammer home uniform, uniform, one. But there is some wiggle room to some degree if the colors are within the suite of colors of that particular team. Maybe they got an exception to that. I know what I'll do. I will ask my NFL buddy, John Kuhn, his thoughts. Like, what happened there? Because would they get fined or no? Charles Weinman on the new OT rule says, Abe, after San Francisco settled for a field goal, I was thinking they should surprise onside kick. If they recover, the game is over, right? I bet Dan Big Nuts Campbell would have kicked an onside kick even if he scored a touchdown. 
Thanks, Chuck and Dayton. I don't know. I'd assume that would end the game. I think that'd be the ballsiest thing ever. And especially given the fact that they had only scored a field goal, they would instantly put the Niners or the Chiefs on the doorstep of being in field goal range themselves. So, yeah. But would that have satisfied the requirement of both teams to possess the ball since they never possessed it? Maybe they just have to have the uh, possibility of possessing the ball. Andy Ayers says, hey, Steve, only in this league, hashtag, would they design rules where the only way the defensive team can win on the opening drive in overtime is with a safety? <laughs> Am I taking crazy pills? No, that's that's the case. If the team that kicks then scores a safety, game is over. Because <laughs> they would have scored and the other team had the right to possess the ball. And so therefore, that's the case. Paul Williams, big beer is dead. Zabe, hope you enjoyed the game. Slow starting, but ramped up in the end. I wish I could say the same for the commercials. The Michelob Ultra commercial, though, with I assume some famous soccer stars, confirms to me one thing. Big Beer is dead. After the Dylan Mulvaney debacle, it seems that Anheuser-Busch is still woefully out of touch with their customer base. In general, I'd say 80% of America couldn't give a shit about soccer and likely had no idea who these guys are. Messi was the main guy in there. I knew who he is and was. Not sure what percentage of the audience did otherwise. Dan Marino, still relevant. God bless Marino's agent that he gets him these gigs. Hey, why don't you kick a soccer ball to Dan Marino and then he'll throw it back to the beach. By the way, you can't throw a, can't throw a soccer ball probably half as far as a football, but whatever. Anyway... I'd say the Venn diagram, writes Paul, on anti-soccer people and football fans is damn near a circle. The dying gasps of an out-of-touch corporate brand, too slow and too dumb to survive. And what's with big soccer trying to flex on the NFL? I noticed several other soccer-themed ads. Do they think the average football fan has any interest in spending their budget on that game? F that. Now, maybe if rugby game calling, I'd be interested. So, Paul obviously likes rugby, hates soccer. Eh, <clears throat> international stars, international audience. I'm sure somebody had a justification for it. This one from Dave Jones. Thank you so much for staying up late to do the Super Bowl recap. The di- that's the difference between a p- true pro and someone who has a podcast because they don't know what else to do. Kudos to you. P.S. You were gentle on Romo. He was terrible. Dave Barry, my man. Mr. Kansas City Chiefs, congratulations on another title. He writes to say, Niners unlucky? Aaron Schatz, formerly a football outsider, says that based on the flow of the play, or play flow, the Niners had a 60% chance to win the game. The Chiefs fumbled five times and only lost one, so from that aspect, the Chiefs were indeed lucky. However, you mentioned Drew Drew Greenlaw and and Kittle's injuries. The Niners were actually the healthier team. The Chiefs lost their best O-lineman and Joe Thune, prior to the game, and they were also without one of their starting safeties in Brian Cook and their second-best defensive lineman in Charles Omenahu, who was injured in the AFC Championship game. That That is true. By pap- On paper, the Niners came in healthier. So, yeah. I, I just meant overall. Uh, this one from Dave Sobecki. Chills and shit. Steve, I didn't know that 
who the player was, but the dude with tears running down his, down his cheeks in the during the anthem just made my hair stand up on my arms and my eyes welled up as well. God damn, this stuff seems so unimportant. And then all of a sudden it hits you. Sincerely, Dave. Yes, I I love that. I didn't see exactly who that was. I heard about it, though. I didn't see it. Let me put it that way. Nobody is going to top, though, the no Sean Moreno for the Denver Broncos tears during the anthem ever. <laughs> it literally looked like it was a Hollywood prop where there was water gushing out his eyes, both of them just streaming down, <laughs> but not even bawling. It was stone-faced, but crying tears of pure appreciation. Zeno's Paradox, Matt Schrader writes to say, Zabe, on last week's pod, Charge talked about the concept that if you go halfway to a goal and halfway again and halfway again, you'll never reach the goal or the distance to close, like 100 yards in a football field. Half, 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 half. You'll never get there. That's Zeno's Paradox. When we all know in reality, eventually you do get there. Well, I don't know who Zeno was. I think Paradox is not quite the right word. It's a physical measurement problem in which once you get to a very finite halving of the distance, there's no instrument, there's no microscope, there's nothing that can actually get that small. So you run out of physical space. It's not so much a paradox. This one from Joe Wollersheim, dearest Steez, you are 100% spot on with Romo and he's been so bad that I can't watch or listen to games he calls anymore. I completely lost faith in him when he butchered the end of that Eagles game where uh, Elliot hit the bomb in the rain and Romo was just doing nothing but vomiting all over the last two minutes. That being said, with Romo being garbage again and a boring first half of football giving us not much to watch, my daughters and I switched over to the Nickelodeon broadcast that featured SpongeBob and Patrick calling the game with Ian Eagle's son Noah and Nate Burleson assisting. If you weren't aware of it, it was absolutely hilarious and I didn't take anything, it didn't take anything away from the broadcast of the game itself other than some replays and some technical stuff of the game. I know your one daughter loves animation, so I thought I'd share. If they do it again in the future, you and her would probably get a kick out of it. Loyal 1%er, Joe Wollersheim, Whitefish Bay. Yes, my daughter and I did watch the SpongeBob cast on screen right in the five-hour Energy Dome, and she did enjoy it. Stayed there for a good quarter or so, and then kind of lost interest and wandered off to do what she does. I said, have fun. George Bridger, Steve, I don't, Steve-O, I don't understand. I understand you don't like the way Romo calls games. My thoughts are simple. I don't pay close attention to the broadcasters anyway, but I like him. He's got an energetic voice, seems interested in what's going on, and seems to be someone you'd like to hang out with. Contrast that with Aikman, who sounds like a dentist right before you go under. I prefer Romo. Aikman is boring, blah, and uninteresting. I do think Brady is going to be more along the lines of Aikman, boring with a little presence and a little bit of enthusiasm. Keep up the good work. Sincerely, George. I get it on Romo. I, that was his appeal. I fell in love with that appeal early on. But he's so out of sorts now. He doesn't know when to dial it back. He hasn't. And I was actually yearning for a more serious Aikman-type voice. <laughs> Because Romo is so goofy 
And he was just like, la, 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 Super Bowl, man. I'm like, come on. It's the biggest game of the year, for God's sakes. Then there's this, Scott Smith, Zach Johnson on the waste management. Zabe, I assume you've seen the clip of Zach going after a fan at waste management. I assume there's a good chance you'll discuss it on the Capital Golf King. Yes, we will. That'll drop. In fact, it should have dropped today as well. Look for the Capital Golf Gang on the Red Circle platform or just Google it wherever you get your uh, podcasts. Or can you Google within a podcast? I don't know. Search for Capital Golf Gang. We're going to try to release on Wednesdays all year long and look backwards at the event that just happened on tour with everything else that's happening in golf. And then for the majors, our plan is, plan is to do a post-round 30-minute recap Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and again on Sunday, hot and fresh right off the rounds, just for the majors. That's the plan. Don't hold me to it. Anyway, he says, so yeah, we will address it in depth on the Capital Golf Gang. I feel you alone on the Zach Johnson issue would be pretty good to talk about since you have labeled him your essentials uh, CGGSH. CSH. CG, GGCSH. Great guy can't stand him. Great guy can't stand him. Actually, I had somebody who was a bit inside in the sport and the tour say, eh, I'm not sure he's not so sure he's such a great guy. And I'm like, oh, interesting. I'll just take him at face value. I think he's a he's a fine fella, but I don't care for him. Also, after reading the Q&A with Zach afterwards about, is it over the line? What do you consider over the line? And he said, I think it's been over the line at this tournament for 21 years. And then the reporter's like, well, why do you keep coming? And he explained it. He said, well, you know, I like the greens. Uh, it's a bouncy course. So I, you know, a guy like me can still hang distance-wise. And, of course, uh, he failed to mention there's money. You know, they pay money the lower you finish, uh, the lower your scores are, and the higher in the leaderboard. They pay actual money, like like money, right? Anyway, <clears throat> also, I think you're wrong on Brady's tweet regarding off the rack. If you view it sarcastically, it's very funny. Anyway, thanks again, Scott Smith. I, I did not know that the Brady joke about off the rack was actually a reference to a line from Entourage in which he was in a golf scene in which I think Johnny Drama... Top to driver, hit a bad drive, and he goes, I can't help it, this driver's off the rack. So that's on me. Did not know that. I'm not fluent in entourage. I know. How can you not be? You being a guy's guy. I don't know. I never got into it. Tried. Then everyone just wouldn't shut up about it, and it kind of annoyed me, so I guess I kind of pout avoided the show. It's got to be a term for that, right, where you – out of protest, don't watch a show that everyone's talking about. You get so sick of it, you say, okay, I don't want to hear about the show anymore, so yeah. How about new? This they, they sort of made fun about this with Breaking Bad. And there was a clip from Family Guy about Peter being hypnotized, hip, hypnotized, and saying... Uh, you must talk about Breaking Bad. Where is this? Breaking Bad, I won. Breaking Bad, I'm the one who knocks. Breaking Bad highlights. Breaking legs. Hmm. Don't have it. 
Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. So I did not watch any of pretty much Entourage. Should I? It's in standard def, though, isn't it? It'll be a hard watch. Finally, this one from a man, Brian Schomer, who once played golf with me in Mexico on a listener trip and got to see me kind of go up sort of close to a 10-foot alligator to get a photo, which they thought I was crazy. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to grab its tail. And if it comes after me, I'm just going to zigzag because these gators, they got no ACLs. They can't cut. Give them a good hold hard zig and a zag and they're done on land. I ain't getting close to the water, but on land, I feel I can get away from them. Okay. He says, uh, Brian Schomer, correct lyrics to the Getty Lee take off song. I do love that you sing, Zabe, the lyrical introduction to the weekly church segments. But I have to step up on the correct singing of the lyrics. You've always sung Kulukuku, Kulukuku. Two lose in there. I'm sorry to say, but there is only one Lou in that sequence. The correct lyrics are Kulukuku, Kukukuku. Where's that email of the guy saying, your podcast sucks. The laziest Oh, you are just the worst type of person. (laughs) I have verified this in as many ways as I possibly can. And I have attached both the original song with the introduction when they are speaking to Getty Lee as well as the lyrics officially from the website lyrics.com. I know how much you like to get things right, and I look forward to you singing the Charge Incho correctly the next time he is on. Sincerely, Brian Schomer. <laughs> this is why I love you people. I love you. You won't even let one little thing stay wrong. And you'll make sure to correct me. There you go. One Lou, not two. That's how you remember it. Quick break. When we come back, Marty Conway, sports, business, marketing professor. You are listening to the worst podcast oh, ever. You are just the worst type of person. The Zabecast. Just because the NFL season is now firmly in the rearview mirror does not mean the Betting season is over. Oh, no, 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 no. There is still plenty of opportunities to put a little something-something on the games. The NBA, college basketball, NHL, yes, golf. No matter what tickles your fancy, there is still plenty of action to whet your appetite. But just remember, where you bet is every bit as important, if not more so, than what you're betting on. That's why I tell my friends to go to mybookie.com. A-G. Oh, but my state just approved it. There's a big DraftKings fan duel, whatever. No, 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 no. Johnny come latelys. My bookie has been ahead of the game for years now. And why does that matter? Oh, I don't know. In a million ways. Better lines, better payouts, less rules. You name it. 
Plus, you get a bonus with me at mybookie.ag. Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, and have your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Now, make sure you read the rules on payouts regarding bonus wagering. It does require certain levels of wagering to collect your money. But if you just want to bet straight up, you don't want the deposit, you want to make a one-time bet for a million dollars, win it, and then walk away, fine. You can do that as well. That's a free cash bonus for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. Bet, win, and most importantly, get paid with my bookie today. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If 2024 is the year you're jetting off to a new country, or even just want to expand your language skills beyond English, then I urge you to check out Rosetta Stone today. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program for over 30 years. Why? Because it works. Instead of drilling vocabulary words, with Rosetta Stone you learn by matching audio, from native speakers to visuals, reading stories, participating in dialogues, and other practical language skills that fast-track your ability to communicate fluently. Not only is it a more effective way to learn, it's more fun. Rosetta Stone's advanced voice recognition technology gives you feedback on how well you pronounce words. Other language learning apps use speech recognition to detect what you said. Rosetta Stone tells you how well you said it. Rosetta Stone offers 25 languages with lessons available on your computer, phone, or tablet. And with a lifetime membership, you get forever access to all the lessons for all the languages and never pay a renewal fee. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, ZabeCast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Joining us now, sports, law, and marketing and I'm going to make him a branding professor today, at least from Georgetown University, consultant to many professional sports teams, leagues, and international organizers of major events. Marty Conway joins us now to talk Super Bowl, Taylor Swift, Live versus PGA Tour, and this new Tiger Sunday Red nonsense. Hello, Marty. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Zabe. Good I to be l- back with you. I love that you keep receipts, and you are <laughs> quick to... 
wave them in front of my nose to say, hello. Uh, Marty's text to me was a link to a story from my boy Rory, the fair-haired Irish lad, saying live defectors shouldn't face punishment. Marty's comment was, Zabe, are you ready to wave your white flag? <laughs> oh, I deserve that one, man. Rory has let me down big time. But let's put that aside for the moment. Let's focus on the game. The numbers came out today and it is the most watched thing ever most watched telecast ever according to all the numbers streaming everything else does the number surprise you from super bowl 58 no not at all and for for number one and you look at well first of all let's talk about who's counting and where they're counting we're at, a, we're at a place now, Zabe, and you've seen this during the regular season. You've seen it on college football playoffs and championships. You've got simultaneous multiple uh, uh, outlets of the same telecast, right? So CBS is running it on the CBS network. They've got something going on with Nickelodeon. They've got CBS Sports Network. They've got Paramount+. Plus. And so we're at a point where they're almost to the point where they'll probably put it on a Times Square billboard at some point because the NFL wants eyeballs. The network wants eyeballs. They're now starting to accurately, more accurately count out of home, you know, who's watching it in bars and restaurants. And so you saw that this season virtually at every stop along the NFL, whether it was regular season, I think they averaged around 18 million viewers, all time high uh, playoffs, all time high. AFC, NFC championship game, all times high. So it's a combination of the NFL literally levitating above everything else. And then also they're putting pressure on these counting companies, the Nielsen's and others to say, you need to go out and find more people. Like we know there's more people watching, <laughs> but you're not counting them. And so if you want to keep the contract with the networks and vis-a-vis -vis the NFL, you'll find more people. And so I'm not saying that it's not legit. I'm just telling you that I think in the past there was a lax about some of this that now they're literally looking really? to everybody they can. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. So this is – so you're, you're not saying this is like a Trump find more votes situation. <laughs> no. But it is, it, is a case, it is a case of the NFL had a, a, a legitimate argument of we know people watch sports in yeah. groups unlike yeah. – they watch law and order. So therefore yeah. account for that. And I guess Nielsen was slow to do that. Well, it's the fragmentation Not that they were slow to do it, but it's the fragmentation, you know, it's having that thousand dollar China plate and taking a hammer to it. And mm. it goes into 50 pieces in different directions. At some point, you're right. The NFL, I think was like, we know there's more people out there watching, but your system isn't really set up to capture them. And so over time, I think they developed a better system, at least from what they tell us, that act more accurately captures everybody across the spectrum of where you're watching and not just the legacy pay television platform anymore. Well, I think I can say this. Unlike other leagues whose championship game or games or series have become somewhat slightly less popular, the Super Bowl is more popular than ever is that the, a fair the, statement the super bowls abe is game seven of the world series plus game seven of the nba finals plus game seven of the stanley cup finals every year right right those sports don't get their game seven every year 
the NFL gets their game seven every year and <laughs> right. they call it the Super Bowl. Right. And so they carefully build this up over the course. And then this year, of course, you've got all these other elements, right? You've got the Chiefs and the Niners. You've got good markets. You've got legacy, dynasty. And now you're bringing in new demographics that Taylor Swift brings in. You know, I think I think women 18 to 34 was up something like 18 percent during the second half of the football season. Like literally, there are three questions anymore that people ask you. Did you go to the game? Did you see Taylor Swift? <laughs> what did you think? Like literally, uh, right. we're at that point. And I think it's just going to continue. As I said earlier, the NFL continues to levitate now, essentially in a place all by themselves where live sports is the NFL and then anything else is is many layers below that. Right. But my basic statement of the NFL's popularity has never been higher, whereas the popularity, just general statement of the other sports, is sagging a bit. Yeah, those sports that, are not collecting the new audiences that right. the NFL seems to be doing. Right. I'm yeah. not saying they're not uh, viable no. economic no. powerhouses. I'm not saying they suck. I'm not saying I don't like them. I'm just saying one click higher, one click lower. There's only one league that keeps going higher. That's the NFL. I would argue this was the best season the National Football League has ever had, start to finish. All things considered, especially culminating in Vegas – with the team that, given their druthers, they'd prefer to win, did win in overtime with their broadcast partner scooping up an extra $60 million I saw from that overtime inventory and with the world's number one pop star dating one of the players on the winning team up in the booth with other A-list celebrities. Best season ever for the league. And, and almost, Zabe, a complete recovery from the debacle of 2016, 2017, that time period Ooh. where people were questioning why is somebody kneeling, what's they were splitting this up, et cetera. They've literally survived that. And because the patient survived, it is now able to thrive in a completely different way. It met that moment that met its mortality moment in 2016 and was able to get themselves through it, get themselves through COVID like the bulldozer that they are. Mm -hmm. And now that we are in some other place, why shouldn't they thrive in the riches that they all it felt like? Because like I said, they are now gathering audiences from celebrity to teenage girls, you name it. Right. Uh, I, I just don't see how the star power, they've got commercials, Tom Brady now in commercials during the Super Bowl, as opposed to winning seven Super Bowls, right? So. <laughs> and they're going to have them in the booth, and that's going to attract eyeballs as well. If I may, yep. Professor, I and I say this with all due respect, I think you're being a bit dramatic about their mortality moment. I believe what – and it was a bad period with the kneeling, and it was a bad period before that with the concussion craze. I don't think those were mortality moments. I, I think those were mere uh, bad colds. And they were going to recover from them because I sat there in front of a microphone uh, on sports radio during the heat of the concussion wars and making movies with Mills, Will Smith and yeah. uh, Dr. Bennett Amalo. Tell the truth. And, you know, there were people in my business, credible people that were painting a picture of no more football. And I said, you need to get out more. I said, you need to get to the rural south where the game is so big and so ingrained, you can't no. comprehend it. It's never going away. Yes, uh, upper-class white kids in the Northeast will start to stop playing it at a certain level. It ain't going away. But the NFL did man nav navigate that, 
and they had an incredibly boffo season. So is Taylor Swift really delivering new fans, or are they just looky-loos as long as this is a hot thing? Oh, I, I look, I, I think she's driving real fans. Like I said, my encounters with people at cash registers and others, they see a hat that I'm wearing, ask me if I went to the game. I happened to be at a Ravens Chiefs game, and the woman said, you know, did you go to the game? Sorry about the game. Did you see Taylor Swift? Literally, that was her third huh. question. So I think those <laughs> those people are here because, look, then they get exposed to what she's wearing, who made that. Oh, that's a that's the fullback's wife that made right. it. Now we start transitioning into the fashion piece and all of that, let alone the celebrity, the music component. So they've literally touched all these genres and pulled them in to the point where I just don't think there are any market segments left. Where they're going next is next year. They will have five consecutive games opening weekend, right? Thursday, Friday in Brazil, et cetera. And now going into five or six international markets. Um, they're just not going to be stopped anytime soon. I don't think we're going to have a team playing full-time in international markets, but I think it will be to the point where there are eight games internationally every year so that teams are going uh, every other year outside the United States to play, whether it's Mexico, Germany, Brazil, Spain, wherever it is. Uh, two things on the women front, uh, because I believe the NFL claims about 40% or so of their fans, their true fans, are women. Something in that range, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, one thing I've I've really learned and noticed being at Packer games every home game the last two years, most games I've ever been to in my life, but I meet so many women fans who love going to the games, not just for the football, and they know their football, but they love <laughs> this about it, Marty. They love the friendship. Uh, yeah. Women being social creatures much more than men. They love being out with friends. They love the fashion. They love the the accessories and the gear. They get very geared up about that, and they have fun. So the three Fs really connect with that female audience, and that's why that's why the Ray Rice thing was such a huge crisis because mm-hmm. the NFL knew, holy crap, like this is half of our butter, <laughs> this is half of our bread that's being buttered. Uh, we got to make sure that we're showing we do care about this stuff. So they they manage that as well, and 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 the Taylor Swift thing. I had another point made to me by uh, a young producer friend. He said, "Look, these these you know these shots of Taylor and her friends and uh, 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 live not live Tyler, but uh, Blake Lively, yeah. and and Ice Spice hopping around, hugging, celebrating." He said, "He goes, this is great because." They now know the power of sports. They know the fun of, hey, my team won, and that joy, that that euphoria, and they're going to bring that back to the music world where a lot of girls never even thought about watching sports because it didn't connect with them, and they'll be ambassadors for, hey, you should watch a game or two. It's fun when your team wins. Yeah, and they, yeah, look, the NFL does a great job of making the game easy to watch, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at other football, sometimes it's difficult to watch. You don't really understand it, whatever. They make it easy to watch. There's 10 or 15 or 20 seconds at a time, then there's a break, and, and then understanding who the quarterbacks are. Nobody does better of storytelling in sports than the NFL, which is setting up the villains and the heels and the baby faces and all those different things. They probably have what, less than 30 players that really make up the the name and faces yeah. of the NFL? They do a fantastic job, almost as good as the WWE in, in storytelling in that regard. So I think that's, you know, it's well beyond the game, the quality of the game, 
because there have been some games along the way that you say, gosh, it's really not great football when the Panthers are playing somebody. But then quickly that next night or Sunday night, you know, you're on to Sunday night football. So they've made it the thing to do, which is what young people, particularly young women, like, which is they want to be where this thing is. So mm-hmm. they continue to do a great job of that, particularly on their media side. It's a TV show about quarterbacks, and it is absolutely unstoppable right now. So we pivot off of that to basketball season. NBA All-Star Game is coming up this weekend. Uh, The NBA is in a bit of a pickle right now because their contracts with their TV partners are coming up. The whole cable world and regional sports network world is, is, is disintegrating. And they obviously want to raise. I, I would imagine they're going to get a raise, but it could be a harder push than it normally is. The biggest problem is everyone knows the star players in the NBA don't play a full season. And it's increasingly uh, obvious they're not playing that hard, Marty, on any given regular season game. How does Adam Silver navigate that perception trying to get more money from the networks? How many in-season tournaments can we come up with? We've already got <laughs> oh, one. By the way, Emirates, <laughs> Emirates is now the sponsor of Emirates Airlines, which I hear is amazing. I'm sure you yes. have flown yes, Emirates. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, so they're sponsoring the in-season tournament, and they yep. bought a patch on the ref jerseys. Yes. So yes. there you go. Yeah, but so- yes, Adam Silver's challenge right now is what? His challenge is how can I get as much money internationally as I can because there are two leagues in this world who do the best at their global marketing. It's the English Premier League and football there, English football, and the NBA. And so while there's – look, I, I think there is a challenge from their media standpoint. They will solve that challenge by probably bringing in more networks to the party. Hmm. And, and as much uh, uh, weekday – weekend over the air sort of network exposure as possible to make up for this. So I think it's going to be an interesting mix the next time around. I think you'll see more media companies as a part of it, whether you include Amazon or however you want to package that. What you found with the English Premier League, and this is who I think they've looked at, is they sold their packages very specifically. So at one time, Amazon had a specific package of 18 games. They were on holidays. They were on other times. So I think what they're going to find is that some of their media companies are looking and saying, here's the type of package that we want. We want weeknights or we want weekends only or we want a combination of over-the-air plus some pay television. Because one of the things that the networks understand, these conglomerates, the Comcast and others, is if you don't have enough sports, when you go back to your delivery, your, your cable operators, they're saying, we're not paying more because you're not giving me more. You're not giving me more live sports. I want more football. I want more NBA because I want to increase the prices to do it. So while on the surface, I think it looks like a huge challenge. I think what they'll come up with is a combination of domestic and international packaging that will far surpass where they currently are. And I think that's what Adam Silver spends a lot of their time on. I know they spend a lot of their time, which is cultivating that international market who is willing to pay up now. And so whatever they have to pull back on, per se, domestically, I think they'll more than make up for it from an international standpoint. All right. Now I'm going to walk around to the other side of the table and bring up the topic that is very interesting about the network side of things, that apparently it's been reported that Fox, Warner Brothers, and ABC ESPN has, have a tentative plan 
to put together a standalone app to deliver sports content, namely rights to leagues. And they're going to charge an unknown price for it. It's going to be expensive, like 40 bucks a month maybe. So a lot of fans are going to balk at that. But even more concerning, as soon as the leagues heard about this, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How do we know you're not going to collude like mofos when it comes time to negotiate for our rights? Yeah, they're... Look, I, I don't know that this will ever come to actually be. I think there are enough skeptics out there in, in the media. Look, media companies, the the reason why they cooperate together is because they see going over a cliff. And unless they right. get together, th- they think that's the only way to avoid that. So if you look at what Hulu has been, you've had different media companies involved, Disney, Comcast, et cetera. They fought over the equity piece of that. They just generally don't get along that well. And look... If Disney comes into this package, Disney's going to say, well, whatever we're putting in, we want to take out at the same rate that we get paid for our cable system. So $8 for ESPN Plus and $2 for this and $3 Mm. for that. And so I I don't see how these guys are actually going to really, really play well together. And yes, I think the leagues and associations will look at this and say, how does that really help us? I understand how it helps you, right. but how does that help us from a competitive standpoint? So I don't know. I think there's a lot to learn about this, but I think if you listen and talk to some people who have been in the industry a long time, generally these multimedia mashups tend not to really work in the long time and sometimes don't even really get off the ground. Yeah, I, I, I'm skeptical this one will actually get off the ground. The first meme that popped in my head when I saw that was Michael Scott in the office when he goes, mmm, don't like that. <laughs> that was what I thought about every league saying, wait, you're going to be a team now? Mmm, don't like that. Sounds like our rights fees are not going up like we expected. Okay, let's get to the big Magilla, which is live in the PGA Tour. The seasons have begun. Rom is now over on the live, and the deal is not yet done. Question number one, will it get done, and if so, when? So will it get done? Yes. When it gets done, I'm not sure. But I, I, here's why I say on, on the first part on the yes. Look, you've now brought almost the Mount Rushmore of current sports ownership people in. You've got the Arthur Blanks, Steve Cohen's. Whit Grouse, but all, all these people who are now this part is of the sports right the SSG yeah. group that put quote yeah. 1.5 billion yeah. into the PGA Tour exactly now they have a valuation as I understand of around 12 billion dollars now on this enterprise that they have well those folks want 12 to become 24 to become 48 to become 64 and you can see where this is going so what does that mean you need to bring other money into it and so. Now I think it's set up for the the folks at PIF and maybe others as well to say, okay, now I can see where we can fit, right? Which is we bring this piece in, now we have this, that, and the other, and now this valuation is at $48 million because one of the things these folks want to be able to see is what's my exit three, five, seven years from now when I want to sell 10% of it or I want to sell 15% of it and I want to get back basically what I put into it and let the rest ride like I'm at a Vegas table. So that's why I think ultimately it will come together because look, Live has some markets that I think the PGA will want because ultimately, back to my earlier point about the NBA, the, the golf world needs to finally understand it's truly a global game. And instead of having our own little fiefdoms in North America and Europe and Asia, whatever, 
we need to come along here now and and take what we want, which is we want to play in Singapore on one weekend and two weeks later play in in Dubai and two weeks later play wherever it's exactly right to do it. And the second part is now players are in a position where they can understand what their equity might be worth. Right. Which is now to say now that I'm putting into this, Mm -hmm. I'm putting in my labor. Now I can have an understanding and a better, clear idea of what my equity might be worth in return. And instead of getting this really small percent of money from my social media posts, the tiger always wins, et cetera. I'm winning tournaments. Tiger's winning social. I want more than he, than he gets. I must, I don't know if I'm the only one who thinks this, and this is odd coming from a complete and total golf nerd, but I don't think there's that much money in golf. I don't think the valuation is anywhere close to correct. The ratings without Tiger are not impactful, not significant, in my opinion. And it costs so much now on build-outs at tournaments. They're not even making that much money from the fans coming in the gates. Where's the money, Marty? So, again, when I say golf, I want you to say Asia. So when I say golf, Dave, you say Asia. Asia, okay. Look, Asia loves golf. I get it. (laughs) So when we talk about, you know, the Tiger situation, which you may get to now or whenever – that Taylor made has been owned by a investment private equity firm out of Seoul, South Korea, since I think 2017. And if you look at where golf is truly growing, the continent of Asia is now the number one continent in terms of golfers. It's surpassed Europe by far. And so the growth of the game clearly is going to be in those markets where there's an emerging middle class. There's more Vietnamese playing golf today than even were in the country 30 years ago. Vietnamese, not even Koreans or Japanese, Vietnamese. Exactly. And so there are more golf shops and driving ranges in Korea, right? And so the the game is exploding over there uh, because there's a growing middle class. And just like the middle class 50 years ago in the U.S. loved golf, that's where they're growing now. And so – that's what's behind Tiger's deal. Look, he's played TaylorMade for a number of years since Nike got out in 2015. So it's not a surprise. But ultimately, look, this paves the way. So let's, let's just talk about it. This paves the way for the Charlie Woods opportunity. And where is he going to be? He's going to be where his dad is and wearing red and doing all that. I think that's the opportunity that we're probably all going to talk about. Wow. Well, I have no pressure, kid. <laughs> your dad, no pressure. You're no pressure, kid. Your dad was pretty good. And and the fact that LeBron's kid, Bronny, is now at USC and yeah. has overcome that very scary heart situation, it's sort of like, am I really going to live now through the Bronny James, Charlie Woods era in both sports? If, ha- you are. if Well, it, you say that confidently. I mean, sports is hard, man. It like, sure is. Michael Jordan never had a son that was I a good basketball player. So Totally get it. But uh, we're in a different – yeah, I totally get it. But, I, you know, I hope Charlie's so. NIL so. will be with Taylor made while he's playing at Stanford. So let's just, you know, let's just work it through. All right. One last thing on the yeah. live front and Rory. What happened to Rory? What, 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 what happened? He went from F. Greg Norman – tour until I die to now he's calling up Jordan Spieth privately to argue with him about saying stuff like we don't need the piff anymore. I mean, it, it is a full 
and complete retreat from my boy. What happened? He got bad advice. He got bad advice, which was he dug himself into a, as an advisor, I would never want to advise somebody to do what Rory did was he, he dug himself into a corner that never really allowed him to get himself out easily. And so once he became so strident in his, and he did, obviously he didn't have the understanding of what was actually going on in the PGA tour executive world. And so he had no insight into that or he wouldn't have made the kind of strident comments that he did. Why didn't somebody clue him in? Why didn't somebody tell him here's what's going on? (laughs) Does he not have people? Is he not on the tour? Does he not go to some of these meetings? Like, uh, I still, yeah, well, I still and, want, and, I still want to love him. This one hurt me though, because I was oh, Rory, I, I'm ride sure, or die. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know he'll be back. He'll win a major two along the way, and everybody will start to feel better about it. So, this is just the chasm, and eventually, this chasm is going to get crossed. I think fairly soon in the next year. Uh, and whether it's the 25 season or 26 season, whatever it is, will look a lot different than, than what it looks like right now in 24. I think somebody should have told Rory, look, the, the, the live and piff, they're a uh, 10 ton boulder that has rolled up gently and is leaning on your house. Hadn't crushed your house yet. You think, okay, it stopped rolling. It's still leaning on your house. Eventually, it's going to, gravity is going to do what it's going to do. Money of that amount is like gravity, and it's going to win in the end. That's what he should have been told. Yeah. 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 On one hand, he had principle, and the other hand was money, and he was trying to hold up his principle. But as we see, but look, it happens to athletes along the way. They pass on the WHA or the ABA, whatever, and then they come back around and realize, maybe maybe I should have taken that dollar after all. So, um do you have any do you have any thoughts? I know your your branding is not a specialty per se, but you're fluent upon it. Uh this Tiger Sunday Red. Two words on Sunday. Um, which I I think the logo sucks. I think the name is stupid, <laughs> but they're the so called experts. Um what do you think of it? Well, I I I I agree with you. When I first saw the logo, it made me think, is that prehistoric like what what exactly is that a tiger is that a a caterpillar what is that yeah yeah so now i now i now that i've seen it i get it i don't have so much of a problem i think everybody understands the the sunday you know separation put it back together etc um but look at the end of the day tiger's not going to be playing on sunday very much in, in a meaningful way so i don't know like i said i i think this is more of a lebron story and others where he brings other golfers to this brand and I think that's where this becomes, you know, if you want to sign now with TaylorMade and Sunday brand, you're wearing it. And, and you know, like I said, Tigers, we're not going to see him on the course winning on Sunday very much. So whoever this next generation that he brings along that he signs to this label, I think that's where the excitement comes from, regardless of what it sounds like, looks like, et cetera. It's who's going to be wearing it three to five years from now. Right. But he hopes it'll be as big as the Jordan brand because the Jordan brand, I understand, is an absolute yeah. monster. Yeah, that's a one point two billion dollar a year opportunity. So uh, a year, no question. a year, exactly. <laughs> a year. What does Jordan make off of that? Oh, he's got a healthy percentage of that for sure, which is why he's the one that has stuck with him. Look, Nike got rid of Federer. They've got rid of Woods. At some point, all these guys age out, but Michael has not. So he's the one that has endured. That's why. Ultimately, I think whether it's championship rings or sales, he's the GOAT from from that standpoint, from a branding and a championship standpoint. All right. 
Marty, always informative. Thank you very much, my friend, and uh, we will chat down the road. Okay, Zabe. Thanks. Let's end on a few odds and ends, and specifically odds for next year's Super Bowl. Your odds on favorite to go back to the Super Bowl and to win it this time is the Niners at about plus 550, which translates into 5-1, to one, give or take. I know that you can kind of put together a bet that essentially is a anti-bet on that, but if they just offered me odds on what are the what are the odds the Niners won't make it back to the Super Bowl, I would load the boat. There are few things as real these days than the Super Bowl loser hangover. The team that loses the Super Bowl the next year at least, just for the next year at least, they do not make it back. The devastation psychologically, emotionally is such that they just, they're not as good. It, it, is, it has happened now quite a few times if you go backwards in, in time. Even the Chiefs, when they lost to Brady the next year, did not go back to the Super Bowl. So I would be willing to bet the house in addition to other challenges the Niners will face, which is how good is Brock Purdy? Will the league get a further grip on what he is and what he likes to do and clamp down on that? Uh, Debo Samuel's got a huge cap number that's got to be finagled. I trust the accountants on that. Uh, some of their other players are getting one year older, like uh, Trent Williams. Um, McCaffrey could get injured. I hope not, but I'm just saying there's some things there. But the emotional aspect of it, here's all you need to hear. This was Nick Bosa after the game talking about how he was feeling in the moment. Yeah, and I was speechless. I couldn't really look anybody in the eye, especially all my teammates. Um, I could have done more. Everybody could have done more, and there's really not much to say at this point. It's going to hurt, and it's going to hit in waves, And uh, but that's life. Wow! Ouch! Listen to that. This is coming from an apex predator athlete. One of the toughest, most amazing, savage defenders the league has ever seen. And here he is afterwards. And you got to see the clip of him. It's a thousand yard stare as well. More, and there's really not much to say at this point. It's going to hurt. And it's going to hit in waves. And, uh, but that's life. That's life indeed. <sighs> tough. Sports is tough, man. That's what makes the highs so high. It's because the losing sucks ten times as worse. All right, that's it for me today. Thank you so much for listening and downloading. Rate and review. Spread the love. If you do love the podcast, if you were like one of the emails I read today and you hate it, then hate it. I would say give it a bad rating, but like, do you have to? Can you just not listen? Just take it off your subscribe. I mean, look, like if you, if you want to tell people this podcast sucks and you have to give me a bad Yelp review and do what you got to do. I'll let the algorithm sort it out. Thanks for listening. Have a great Wednesday and we will see you next time.
Just because the NFL season is now firmly in the rearview mirror does not mean the betting season is over. Oh, no, 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 no. There is still plenty of opportunities to put a little something-something on the games. The NBA, college basketball, NHL, yes, golf. No matter what tickles your fancy, there is still plenty of action to whet your appetite. But just remember, where you bet is every bit as important, if not more so, than what you're betting on. That's why I tell my friends to go to mybookie.com. A-G. Oh, but my state just approved it. There's a big DraftKings fan duel, whatever. No, 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 no. Johnny come latelys. My bookie has been ahead of the game for years now. And why does that matter? Oh, I don't know. In a million ways. Better lines, better payouts, less rules. You name it. Plus, you get a bonus with me at mybookie.ag. Use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, and have your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Now, make sure you read the rules on payouts regarding bonus wagering. It does require certain levels of wagering to collect your money. But if you just want to bet straight up, you don't want the deposit, you want to make a one-time bet for a million dollars, win it, and then walk away, Fine, you can do that as well. That's a free cash bonus for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. Bet, win, and most importantly, get paid with my bookie today.